Hello and welcome back to the Into the Adultverse podcast. My name is Fuad and we're going to be doing an episode today on decision making. Um, so what that's going to involve is we're going to talk through some of the decisions that Damien and I have made throughout our lives that have influenced us to become, you know, hopefully the people we are today. And, and I'm assuming that's a good thing, but I guess we'll see throughout the course of this episode. <laughs> Um, and uh, talking through some strategies we have for decision making and what we've learned throughout the years on how to make better decisions. So hopefully you guys enjoy this episode. And if you make one good decision, it's to listen to this episode, share it with your friends and, um, you know, send us some love on Instagram as well. Cheers. All right. Hello and welcome back, everyone, to the Into the Adultverse podcast. It is a beautiful Thursday, early afternoon today. It's sunny outside. Yes, sir. Um, feeling pretty good feeling pretty good um yeah you know what i think would be a good choice to i, I know you mentioned you had like a bomb ass quote uh to i did the episode with but i, I did figured just because the sun is shining on us um what's one thing you're grateful for today yeah absolutely i we should we should be doing this more often we said we would but somehow it always gets slipped what is one thing i'm grateful for today honestly and this is gonna be a sus answer uh, I am grateful for microwavable food. I had, I just had, like, I have not eaten all day, and what I just ate was two microwavable beef patties, and it's just amazing that you know, a Jamaican staple dish that's made from like fresh pastry and and beef, I can like <laughs> microwave it and eat it in like two minutes <laughs> in Canada, right? Like that's just amazing to me. So I'm grateful for microwavable food because you know sometimes it do be like that, and I don't have time to eat, so. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm grateful for. What about you? I mean, like, shout out to the entire student experience. Like, most of us were <laughs> subsisting on microwavable foods. Yes, sir. <laughs> um, for me today, honestly, I got to shout out my yeah, my youngest brother one time. He uh, made me a pretty bomb-ass grilled cheese sandwich. And No um, way. We're usually at odds, like, feuding. But today, we for decided sure. to call it a truce. And uh, I think that was a pretty good way to start my morning. So, I'm grateful for that. That sounds like an amazing way to start your morning. I gotta, I'm gonna send my sisters this, this episode and make sure that they make me a sandwich next time. So. Right, you gotta hold them accountable. Still, they're not <laughs> exactly. doing enough for you. Oh, honestly, man. <laughs> yes, sir. Going back to the quote. So the quote is from Michelle Obama. And just a little reminder. I know we've been a little off topic. The episode is on decision making, not sandwiches. <laughs> and the quote is, "You can't make decisions based on fear and the possibility of what might happen." And I think that's just such a you know poignant and beautiful quote because. Uh, it really speaks to the ethos of decision making and, and focusing on your why and why you want to make good decisions. And to be honest, I want to make good decisions because I don't want to be 80 on a hospital bed regretting half the shit I did in my life. And I think that's honestly a huge motivator for me. Um, that feeling of regret is something I think would you know cripple me throughout my life. And so I think it's really, really important that you make decisions based on you know the available information and the available perspectives that you're able to obtain and focus on making the best decision possible with the information that you have. And then once you make that decision, you know, not looking back, going full force ahead. We talked a little bit about it in the podcast interview with Melanie, but you know, yeah, the decision is important, but what's, what's also really, really important is what you do once you make that decision and making the best out of that decision. So yeah, that's just a little bit of a quote to start, start the episode off. Yeah, no, I love that. Actually, that's a really good point to jump off with. I actually had a pretty similar quote um, from Teddy Roosevelt. Uh, okay, awesome. One of the OGs. Yeah, let's hear uh, it. He said, in any moment of decision, the best thing you can do is the right thing. The next best thing is the wrong thing. And the worst thing you can do is nothing. So, oh, wow. Yeah, kind of like on yeah. that note, right? Like You don't want to be stuck with um, regret. 
and yeah. it's usually the acts it's not the acts of commission it's the acts of omission that we regret right the things we didn't end up doing yeah. um and you know I, i've actually been thinking about the whole idea of regret a lot recently and mm-hmm. i've come to think more about it in a short-term manner because you know a lot of people say the same thing like okay yeah i don't want to have any regrets when i'm on my deathbed but yeah that's a pretty long time horizon. And for some people, for sure. it might be a little hard to kind of conceptualize, right? Yeah. So I've started asking myself on a more regular basis. I think I want to start doing it more on like a daily basis, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um, but just asking myself at the end of the day, like, is there anything that I regretted today? And wow. if yeah. that comes up too many days in a row where the answer is yes, then I know how to change something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's lends itself to keeping things um, more in focus the way you're living your life day in day out um mm-hmm. so because otherwise like you know the days start to slip after a certain point yeah no that's a that's a really good point i yeah I, I love that you mentioned that like going a little bit more short term because that's something i've been trying to do with with goal setting and like systems-based goals goals and like things like that um so i think it definitely extends to regret you know obviously you don't want to regret anything when you're 80 but if you don't regret anything in the last five years if you don't regret anything in the last two weeks like by the time you're 80 you're still not gonna have regret at anything right so mm-hmm. that's a great way of looking at it and like short term versus long term i think is you know th- there's a balance between it it's not always one or the other but i think mm-hmm. in, in situations like this it's really important to be short term as well cool so yeah my next question i guess for you is what's the hardest decision you've ever made and walk us through what that was oh, ever made oh or you know it could be you could give us like a top three no order yeah type of thing. <laughs> well calling to mind one of the biggest choices that i've had to make recently was following my graduation last year was deciding basically what to do with my life and up until that point and i I think we've shared some of stories before in the podcast but like up until that point like my whole life was basically me going with the flow of things like i was on this linear trajectory um through school everything was laid out for me and i didn't really think critically about anything that i had to do and mm-hmm. you know that basically culminated with me being there at the end of my educational journey not really knowing really what the hell i want to do with my life mm-hmm. so rather than falling into the next readily available option like popular i guess option which would be just um go get a master's degree or like just go straight into the workforce mm-hmm. i decided just to take a step back from everything and just take a gap year because i'm like one thing you consistently hear is that time is the most valuable resource that you have and whatever sure. time you've lost you will never get back so i didn't want to just kind of waste time floundering through life um and ending up throwing myself into a position where i really wasn't as happy as i could be or as fulfilled as i could be so mm-hmm. i didn't really know what that meant for me so i decided okay let me just take some time off to explore a bit more let me go dip my get my feet wet in a bunch of different things let me go fail at a couple new things and then see what it is that i actually enjoy doing Mm -hmm. and honestly i have become an evangelist for gap years now so yeah it was honestly this period of this last year has been probably the biggest amount of growth that i've seen in myself that's awesome and you know it was like everything in my life was kind of leading up to this point so i was seeing steady growth but then everything just kind of exploded over the gap year because i gave myself the time and the opportunity to try new things um and to explore rather than being like rather than pigeonholing myself into like another educational path or just work yeah um 
so if there's anything that I can like one piece of advice I really want to give to people is that sabbaticals are essential be it even if it's just even mm-hmm. if it's just like a couple months even if it's one month two months three months it's so important to take a step back and mm-hmm. reflect on where you're at because it's so easy kind of like what we're saying yeah. right it's so easy to let the days slip past you and then you wind up in this routine and you don't even realize you're a couple years in you're like oh shit where did the last couple years go so take that time off reflect on where you're at where you've been and where you want to be and if everything kind of lines up then you know you're you're doing well for yourself yeah so great question and first off i want to say like i feel really lucky to have been able to see you like grow throughout the past year because like like you said it's you know, your trajectory has been on the upward, but I've definitely seen you grow throughout the last year more than I've ever seen you before. And, you know, maybe that might be because I've only known you for the last <laughs> year and a bit, but regardless, you know, we'll go with it. Um, and I think uh, it's funny because I actually have a very similar answer as well. So, um, yeah, one of the biggest decisions I made personally was to take uh, a year off between my third and fourth years at university and do a co-op year. And, um, you know, along with that decision, a lot of people do like a 16 month co-op between the third and fourth years and return to school after having worked at one company for 16 months. Um, and what I decided to do instead, and a few of my friends decided to as well, is to take that 16 months and do four different four month terms. Um, and that was a pretty big decision at the time. And there were a lot of risks to it because, you know, I actually started off the term with only one job offer for that summer. Right. Um, and I'd already committed to not going to school. So that means, you know, Like I didn't do course enrollment. I didn't have OSAP if I wanted to go back to school. So it was basically like, you know, get jobs or you're doing nothing for four Mm -hmm. months. Right. Um, And so, you know, it was a pretty big decision. There was definitely a lot of risk attached. And it also meant a ton Mm -hmm. of hard work. Right. Because you're recruiting four times uh, in the span of 16 months for four different jobs. And, you know, it's, it's already hard to get one or two offers. But then when you consider that you have to get four offers and, you know, obviously with four offers, you're probably doing like multiple multiple rounds of interviews for each offer and then plus like the everything that you get rejected for you know all in all it was it was a lot of hard work for sure and i think one of the reasons that i made that decision was because um i really like really wanted to evaluate how much growth i could get Mm. out of that year and i i thought about it and i was like you know the easy decision would be if i get one offer try and convert it to a 16 month offer or like just go for a 16 month job you know work at one company really learn the ropes and like return there full time And, you know, while that might have been the easier decision at the time, and it definitely would have saved me a lot of work and even monetary monetary wise, like, you know, if I had worked for 16 months straight without any breaks in between, I might have made a little bit more money um, in the short run. Um, I think it was definitely the right decision in the Mm -hmm. long run. And what it resulted in was just me being super, super uncomfortable Mm -hmm. for 16 months, you know, moving around, not only uncomfortable, like jobs wise, but also like. Um, you know, social wise, like meeting new friends, being in new cities, um, like things like that. Um, like in general, just having the, like having the life experience of moving around a lot and interacting with new people and interacting with new companies was just such an amazing experience for me. Um, and I think that, um, that was like definitely one of the best decisions Mm. I've ever made. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Like, it seems like we both have really similar answers to this, which is pretty cool because, I think the the like the recurring theme here is that there's always a little bit of a risk with the decision involved, but as long as you can accurately assess that risk, and for me it was like you know worst case what happens is 
oh, okay, like I don't get a job for four months. I grind my ass off and get a job the next four months, mm-hmm. you know, type of thing. And even with that, like missing four months or whatever, yeah, I'm missing out a little bit of pay. And like, you know, maybe I'm in a privileged position where I can afford to go four months without getting paid. And I understand that not everyone's in that position. But at the same time, um, you know, I think the growth it did for me and even in terms of payout, like it was more than worth it for me personally, um, you know, in terms of like better positions I was able to obtain because of better experiences. So, yeah, I think it's all about evaluating those trade offs and like just being really firm on your decision once you make it, because once you make that decision, you have to do everything in your power to make that Absolutely. the right decision. Yeah. And evaluate. So, yeah, that's one of the biggest things when it comes to decision making is that sometimes you narrow your focus on one outcome and that's the only thing you see and that can be a little blinding so you really have to understand that every choice really does come with um, an opportunity cost Um, for some you know some of those opportunity costs may be negligible but for things like this like you said like four months off for some people that that would have been just devastating and like I'm sure for you too like losing out on both four months of pay and just like having no four months of school it wouldn't have been great um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that would have been a tough, tough thing to rectify through that time. But let's kind of, like I guess mm-hmm. let's try and break down what other things were going through our heads during the like when we were making these choices. Because obviously, these weren't things that we just unfortunately we can't just flip a coin on. I mean, I guess we could, but like I don't know yeah. if that'd be the most prudent choice to make. <laughs> um, oh yeah. So like, what were so when you come to making a choice like this, um, and I'm sure that there's a lot of people who, given COVID. Um, have either have already thought about or are thinking about taking a gap year from school, right? Just it doesn't mm-hmm. it doesn't make sense for them to go back to school. So let's talk about that a bit more. So what, what was going through your head when you're deciding whether four or sixteen months? So I think that a lot of things went through my head for sure. Like um, first off, I think I'm the per- type of person that's more suited to work than to school, and so I think that's like a fundamental characteristic about myself. Like while I do enjoy mm-hmm. academia, um, and I think you know research is cool and all that. Um, I personally enjoy like being a part of a company, being a part of a team, working on a shared mission together versus, you know, um, just like learning for the sake of learning. Um, and I, th- I think that has its role. But personally, I didn't feel like I was getting all that much out of school. So I think that was like a fundamental you know, consideration for me, even wanting to do 16 months off of school in the first place. Right. Because not everyone wants to do that. Um, and that's totally fine if you don't as well. So that was like a, one of the considerations that fall into my head. Um, I think one of the most important things in terms of like for people who are thinking of taking time off uh, because of school for COVID um, and like, you know, looking to do internships and things, I think at the end of the day, you got to bet on yourself. That's one of the biggest things about um, our biggest takeaways from this like decision making, like trials and tribulations that I've been through is that you really have to bet on yourself and no one's going to bet on yourself other than you. Mm -hmm. Like, there's no way that you could talk to somebody about this decision and mm-hmm. be like, yo, I'm thinking of doing four internships in a row. I don't have any offers yet, but I think, you know, I think I'll be good. They're not good. Like, you know, if you talk, if I told this to my mom and I did tell this to my mom, my mom was like, yo, like, I think you should graduate. And then once you graduate, look for a full-time job. She was like, it just makes more sense. Once you're full-time, you get paid more, you know, like school's a lot safer, blah, blah, blah. And to be honest, looking back on it, if I graduated in May, I'm going to be impossible to find a job because of COVID, right? So it ended up being a really, really amazing decision for me. But point being, circumstantial yeah. stuff aside, I think the biggest thing is just betting on yourself. Um, yeah, like you got to be your number one biggest fan. You got to have faith in yourself. And this is the thing I do a lot, you know, like I always sign up for mm-hmm. a little bit more than I can. I always bite off a little bit more than I can chew. And then, you know, eventually you figure out how to drop things you figure out what to focus on you figure out what is essential to you what isn't but i don't think people can afford to be that picky in the beginning 
in the beginning, you got to take as much as you can and grow as much as you can from it and really push your boundaries and learn. And then once you have done that is the point at which you can start, you know, being a little bit more picky about opportunities or, you know, deciding that you don't want to do this or do that or, you know, deciding that maybe this isn't right for you or maybe next time you only need to go for one co-op position or, or something like that. Whatever it is, I think it's it's not really possible for you to like determine what that is until you've had the chance to bet on yourself until you said you know like this might be a little bit of risk but at the end of the day i believe in my ability to do this and if things go wrong you know you can reassess from there but i think so many people are afraid of things going right or so afraid of things going wrong that they don't even see that things could go right right and i think as a natural born optimist i just look on the bright side of every decision and try and like maximize mm-hmm. from there I love the point about betting on yourself, though. Um, that's one of the key distinguishing factors you see when pe- from people who have become really successful in their lives. Like, you know, one of the most mm-hmm. exaggerated examples of this is Kanye. This guy is a demon, <laughs> but he's become such an icon um, it, it, across so many different domains, not just in music, but even when it comes to fashion um, and sneakers. Um, he, The only reason he's seen this level of success is because he was willing to bet on himself. Yeah. And I mean, I'm not really going to dive into it, but for people who don't know, the only reason the Yeezy empire became what it is today, because he started with Nike before going to Adidas. But the thing that made him make that transition is because he recognized that Nike was limiting him. And he basically wasn't mm-hmm. like Jordan, like Michael Jordan was getting more royalties off of um, his ones than, or like just his Jordan line of shoes from Nike than Kanye was. And Kanye's like, yo, Yo, screw this. You know, I could be making way more money off of this and be selling more product than like what I'm doing right now through Nike. And, you know, Adidas was willing to take that risk and take Kanye on. So be willing to bet on yourself, but also, you know, being able to do that and building up the confidence to be able to do that takes taking risks on yourself. Like you have to keep putting yourself out there and learning new things, trying out new things, meeting new people. Basically, just get as much experience under under your belt as possible because you know you had to realize that even the people you look up to nobody knows what the hell they're doing in life and the only difference between there's yeah like there's two people two kinds of people going through life it's either the people who have no idea what they're doing and they're completely guessing or the people who have experienced enough paradigms in their life to have educated guesses about what the best course of action is so they're not completely guessing and, you know, I think we should always strive to be the latter because, I mean, high risk, high reward, I guess, if you're completely guessing on things and sometimes people fall into some crazy, crazy shit. Um, but, I mean, shout out to the guys on Wall Street Bets. I've seen some crazy ass bets and people, how, how are you up 100,000% on some of your calls? Like, that's crazy. Bet on yourself, identify the risks present, mm-hmm. um, weigh the opportunity costs, and try even framing some of your problems in a different way yeah sometimes i guess like we get too we take it too much of a granular perspective to things and we lose that global processing framework mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um and then if that's any that's one lesson i've taken from human-centered design is that the best solutions come in ways that were unexpected you know the you take lessons from other things and you're able to apply it to a different problem mm-hmm. so i guess that lends itself again to the experience part I think you brought up a really good point about like, yeah, nobody knows what the fuck they're doing. Like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. You don't know what the fuck you're doing. You know, nobody really knows. And so like you can let that like unknownness like paralyze you, like that fear of the unknown and like prevent you from making a decision that you're, you know, you should make. 
or you can just say you know it is what it is like i don't know this and like the way to go forward is to at least try something so i could learn something from it and that way when i come back like at least i won't be in the same position again in three years because now i know something about it right and so like if exactly. co-op had went horribly and i worked at four companies i hated i would be there four companies later and i'd be like wow this sucked i want to be in research you know and then i would have gone full yeah. force into research and i wouldn't have regretted it right but if i hadn't done that i would have always been wondering like you know what would have been like to work at these companies like what would have the world of industry been like compared to academia like am i just doing academia because i'm pressured into it like things like that right um and uh, yeah preventing that regret right like i said is yeah, is like so exactly. huge so huge um yeah maybe we can talk about a technique that i use a little bit when i make decisions as well it's called the decision matrix i don't know if um some of the engineers listening to this might have heard of it uh it's a very analytical way very type a way of making decisions that i've i've definitely used a lot um and maybe we can include like a little infographic at a link or something in the description but basically mm -hmm. how a decision matrix works is that on the y-axis you have uh you know the different decisions you have to make so uh i guess for example um we've brought this example up on the podcast before but it's just like a super easy example to bring up deciding where to move for full time right so you could have you know your cities on the y-axis so like sf new york seattle uh and then on the x-axis what you have is you have different categories so uh that could be like for example cost of living uh access to nature um you know restaurants in the area uh distance from family whatever right different categories um that would influence the decision that you're about to make then what you would do is to each category you would assign a weight score and mm -hmm. that weight score is super, super personal. So depends on how much you value each category. So let's say I value food a lot, then my restaurant weighting might be eight. And let's say I don't really care about my family too much and I don't mind if I, <laughs> okay, this is just a hypothetical <laughs> example. Keep in mind, keep in mind, right? And if let's say like, yeah, I don't mind not being able to visit my family too often or, you know, I have family all over across the globe. So either way I'd have to fly to them then maybe that location score is a little bit lower and it's like weighted out of four, right? And then what you do is for everything on the y-axis, you give them a score out of whatever weighting there is on the x-axis for every category. So let's say that New York has amazing food, but New York is a little bit further from uh, my family in Mexico than California would be, right? Um, then New York would get like, let's say like a seven out of eight on food, but it would get like a one out of four on, on distance from family, right? Um, mm -hmm. and then, you know, vice versa, SF might get like a six out of eight on food, but it might get a three out of four on distance from family. Right. And so we, you, mm -hmm. I think everyone kind of gets the basic idea. Maybe for the visual learners, we can put a link in the description, but essentially the idea is once you've done all this, you tally up the scores for each, uh, you know, kind of row on the Y axis. And then, um, you figure out whichever has the highest points and whichever has the highest points is the one you should go with for that decision. Um, and so I found that this, you know, while this isn't a foolproof method and obviously, you know, there's a lot of emotion that goes into this and this kind of like discards all the emotional aspect of making a decision, which is, you know, for sure real and for sure valid, although sometimes needs to be limited at the moment. Um, yeah. But at the same time, I think it's a really, really good way of putting all your options on the table, really assessing what are the things that matter to you in that decision. Because I think for what a lot of people like make a mistake on with decision making is that they're not clear on the metrics by which they need to judge the decision. It's like, what even mm -hmm. is a good decision, right? Like how, how do you know that you're making a good decision? You need to have something clear to like define those metrics by. And I think I actually like recently had a talk with my mom about this because my mom, I think I was buying a mattress to like move in. And my mom was like, oh, I found a really good mattress. Like it's on sale. Like it's a good price. Right. And I was like, 
okay, but like, you know, I, I don't know anything about mattresses, but like, you know, what's good about this mattress? She's like, oh, like, you know, the price is good, right? I'm like, okay, but price is like one aspect of a mattress, mom. Like there are... I'm going to be sleeping on this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I, it's, it's, it's right there. You know, I have to sleep on it every single day. Um, and it really affects my, you know, my, my ability to get up in the morning, you know, exactly. lots of things. Yeah. Right. And so I think, you know, that's just a lesson on like what, like what good is, is different for everyone. And you really have to zero in on yeah. what your good is, because it's not just enough to say that something is good or bad. You have to have defining metrics on why something is good or why something is bad. Absolutely. And Honestly, that's way more of a rational, analytical approach to decision making. And, you know, that's probably the smart way to do things. <laughs> but I don't know. Recently, I just like started asking myself more the question to prompt me whenever I'm making a choice. What would make a more compelling story? Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's it's not exactly the most it's not exactly the smartest way to go about things, maybe. But I think it's led to some interesting outcomes, at least. Yeah. And, you know, it's 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 forced me to ask myself, what can I do in this moment that'll be the most exciting for myself? And, and again, like exciting doesn't necessarily have to be just short term outcome. Mm-hmm. Exciting could be long term, too. Um, and it might take short term boredom to get that long term excitement. But, you know, that's as with most things, it's a long term game. Mm-hmm. so i'm i don't know man i'm just trying to have uh i'm just trying to have fun you know when we're still young i've i don't know how many people fall prey to this but being on linkedin and seeing some of the more successful individuals mm-hmm. um that come across my feed it can limit my focus and mm-hmm. i start to really weigh heavily on this idea that you know i really need to be successful quick like i need to be successful sooner faster better than other people and it started after a certain point made me start sacrificing some of the things that would you know keep me having fun through life mm-hmm. you know some just taking nights off to go hang out with friends or mm-hmm. um i mean i can't go party now or anything not that i was a big party before but <laughs> oh yeah just, uh, <laughs> can't put that <laughs> on the podcast christian boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um but yeah you know just like take time to do some of the things that just that are more meaningful in life mm-hmm. and not to say that like you know grinding hard at things you the things you value isn't meaningful but you know your career isn't everything in life and it's Definitely important not. not to forget that yeah no that's yeah. a really good point yeah your career isn't everything in life and it's all about yeah like making those value props like at the end of the day like your life is a collection of decisions and at each of those decisions there are weightings to each thing right like mm-hmm. even if even if you want to look at it like in terms of a compelling story like what you value in a story is different too right like you know some people like like you know romance novels and so if you optimize your life for romance then you know it'll be a different compelling story than if you optimize your life for your career right and so at for the sure. end of the day like everything is a value proposition to you and it's just about recognizing what trade-offs matter to you and i think you know uh, I'm going to draw upon like a, a personal family example of this. So, um, and I, I, I'm, I'm assuming he wouldn't mind if I shared this on the podcast, but uh, my uncle um, is a, is a top grinder, like super, super grinder. Like <laughs> he's my mom's little, little brother. And like, he is the epitome of workaholic, I would say like, he's really good at working. He dedicates his life to his work. Um, you know, he's super, super disciplined and motivated and focused. Um, and a lot of people in the family were always like, okay, yeah, you know, he's really successful, but you know, he just has horrible work-life balance, right? And mm. that term, I think, that, like work-life balance is so telling because 
like really there is no balance, right? Like balance is whatever you make out your balance to be, right? If you choose to, you know, dedicate your life to your career, and we talked to Nick Caldwell about this too, if it's a choice you're mm-hmm. making to dedicate your life to your career and you want to have that out of your life and you're okay with the trade-offs you make, you're okay with spending a little bit less time, you know, working out. You're, you're okay with spending a little bit less time, um, you know, exploring your restaurants. You're, you're okay with spending a little bit less time maybe uh, with your significant other or whatever it might be. Um, those are trade-offs that you, like, you are making. And as long as you're the one making them, whatever balance you find is your balance. And that's right for you. You have the perfect work-life balance because you're choosing that balance. As soon as that balance starts being determined by somebody else, that's when you run into issues, right? Um, but yeah, I was just bringing up in his example because, you know, he might've had kids when he was in his forties, but you know, he accomplished what he wanted to accomplish. And very few people I think can say that in the world, right? Like, like can, can someone sure. really look back at their life and say, you know, I wanted this and I went out there and did it right. And that's, I think yeah. so, so valuable. And that's, that's what we're talking about with regret, right? It's not about, you know, doing what other people expect you to do or doing what seems to be the perfect harmony of all these things. If it's something you value yeah. and you go out there and get it, at the end of the day, man, you, you, you only got to live with yourself, right? You don't have to live with exactly. these, these other people. And so, yeah, I think that's just just brought it to mind once again. Like, as long as you're making those decisions, it's fine. But realize that if you're not thinking about those things consciously, they're being made for you. If you're not deciding what to yeah. do, like, and taking into consideration the different factors that affect that decision, somebody's making that decision for you. And I don't know who it is. You know, it might be your mom. It might be society. It might be your employer telling you when to work, where to work, how to work. But at the end of the day, you got to make decisions for yourself. Otherwise, you won't be able to be happy with what the results are. Yeah, um, I really like how you framed that earlier, too. Um, Well, I it it called to mind a similar tenet from I think it was James Clear. Mm -hmm. And I'm heavily paraphrasing, but it's something along the lines of you have created the or shit. What do you say? You have yeah something along the lines of basically you have perfectly created the the life you're living right now it's so again help me paraphrase but basically the idea behind that is that you have set up your life in a way through your habits through the actions you employ every day to basically live the outcomes you're living right now so if you're unhappy with it you have to understand it's because of the way that you're living life Mm -hmm. so if you want to change the way that your life is right now you have to change your habits Mm -hmm. so you have to change some of the things that you're doing day in and day out Mm -hmm. And you really need that self-awareness for that. Absolutely. And like you said, that work-life balance is going to look differently for everybody. And as long as you're cognizant of the sacrifices that you're making and you're okay with that, mm-hmm. then you should be happy. Mm-hmm. You should be happy with every like outcomes you're seeing. Mm-hmm. And if you're not, then you have to realize that. And again, this takes, again, self-awareness and reflection. You have to be auditing yourself every day or at least weekly to try and figure out what things should I cut back on and what things should I make more time for? Mm. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I'm super glad you brought up self-awareness because it makes me think about journaling, uh, which is a really yeah. great habit if you guys aren't into it. And maybe we'll do our next episode on journaling and, and being more self-aware and using that as a tool to be more self-aware. Um, but anyways, um, I think you know our conversation has run its course. We've talked about a lot of different things with decision-making. Thanks for sharing your decisions with us, Damien. Um, and to, you know, to the listeners, hopefully it was the right decision to make today to listen to this podcast episode um and you know that's so what... corny i'm sorry listeners I'm sorry, I can't. <laughs> whatever <laughs> well, <not> representing Seattle, 
<laughs> oh my god i'm getting kicked off bro this is gonna be a sole proprietorship now um but yeah whatever you know whatever value trade-offs you made making that decision whether or not you recognize it we're glad you took the time out of your day to listen to us and take some value out of this so appreciate it absolutely yeah. we're grateful for you yeah all right signing awesome. off all right